This is Gulf Coast Life. I'm Mike Canary. Thanks for joining us. While the small lakes or ponds found in many communities here in Florida allow more people to live on or nearby a water body, their real purpose is to help manage water flows and help maintain water quality. Many of these small lakes are actually man-made stormwater management ponds. There are nearly 3,000 here in Lee County alone, covering more than 8,000 acres. If well-maintained, they can improve water quality before it flows into natural streams. They can help reduce downstream flooding, and they provide habitat for wildlife. On today's show, we're going to learn about what it takes to ensure stormwater management ponds are well-maintained and what outreach efforts exist to teach people who live around them best practices for doing just that. I spoke last week with the Pond Watch Coordinator at the Lee County Hyacinth Control District and the Director of Water Resources at Johnson Engineering to get some tips and to get a preview of an upcoming Citizen Ponds workshop that's open to anyone. Let's hear that conversation now. Ernesto Lasso de la Vega is Pond Watch Coordinator with the Lee County Hyacinth Control District. Ernesto, welcome to the show. It's nice to see you. Thank you very much for having us. And Andy Tilton is Director of Water Resources at Johnson Engineering. Andy, thanks for coming in today. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. We would love it if you would weigh in on our conversation today using WGCU social media. Find us on Facebook. We're at WGCU Public Media. And then on Twitter, we're at WGCU. Use the hashtag GCL. For starters, can each of you tell us a bit about yourself and your background and your work? Uh, Ernesto, let's start with you. I work at the Lee County Hyacinth Control District in Fort Myers. And uh, I've been there a biologist for almost 30 years, more than 30 years now. And um, I'm a coordinator for a program called Pond Watch, and it's a volunteer monitoring program that all citizens in Lee County can bring the samples of water. And then I take the analysis of that water and it kind of help them understand what is the nature of their stormwater pond. Real quick, Hyacinth Control District, can you just explain the scope of what it is you do? And I'm presumably you focus on more than just Hyacinth. Yes. In fact, we are in conjunction with Mosquito Control in Lee County. So Mosquito Control and Hyacinth Control District are sharing the same facility. But we don't take care of mosquitoes. We take care of the aquatic weeds, which are sometimes they hide the mosquitoes or they impede navigation. And that's what we're actually doing, controlling the aquatic weeds for the benefit of the county. Understood. Uh, Andy, what about you? Just tell us a little bit about your background and the work you do. I'm a civil engineer, a graduate of University of Florida twice. Don't plan on going back a third time. Uh, been with Johnson since 78. And uh, as water resource director, uh, we do a lot of groundwater and surface water work. My specialty is surface water. And when I say that, the easy uh, explanation is when it rains, I try to design things so it stays out of your house or your office. You know, Johnson Engineering does a lot of work in this part of Florida. Um, you've been with them for since 1978. I won't try to do the math. Um, and the kind of work you do, it must be interesting for you because of the growth that we've seen to sort of just be around Southwest Florida and have some insider knowledge about how the infrastructure has been put together. What's just like that? You know, the, can you just reflect on what that's like? Uh, it, it gives me interesting thoughts as I, d as I do drive around. Uh, Daniels Parkway, for instance, I remember when it was Radio Beam Road and when east of 10 Mile Canal, it was a lime rock road with no pavement, uh, no, no walkways or anything, and it went out to some farm fields, set an air monitoring trailer on the property that's now RSW uh, when it was a cow pasture. So 
yes, I, I've seen a lot of things as things have grown around this community. Hmm. Uh, so broadly speaking, why do so many communities in Southwest Florida have these man-made stormwater management ponds? Are they a requirement for development? Uh, yes. In general, the answer is yes. Since the mid-70s, the Water Management District has required that discharge of stormwater from a site in the post-construction condition be very similar in uh, quantity and rate and timing of that prior to the site's development. Prior to then, most design was how big of a pipe or a ditch do I need to get it to the next pipe or ditch to get rid of it. So very little of it was held on site. Almost all of it was run off the site. And with the laws changing in the early 70s here in Florida, uh, the emphasis was on water as being a resource versus prior legislation basically put water as an enemy of the people. And you could do anything you needed to to get rid of it. Now it's considered a resource, so we try to use it to its best advantage. And part of that is not flooding your downstream neighbor. So broadly speaking, what purpose do they serve? The first purpose is attenuation of peak runoff. Uh, For instance, on FGCU campus, there are several ponds, and those serve that same purpose. The water runs off of the buildings and the parking lots, and then it goes into the pond. So it may run off at three or four inches an hour, but it may discharge from the control structure at a portion of an inch per day. And so you have this time lag between the time it rains and you don't really want to be walking in that six inches of water in your parking lot and the time that it can run off safely to the downstream receiving body. The second thing is water quality. Uh, When the water runs across hard surfaces or even grassed areas, it can pick up particulates, uh, fertilizers, it can pick up uh, hydrocarbons off of uh, parking lots, and those things decrease the water quality. So the ponds also help in improving that water quality before it's discharged from the site. I've read they are described as kidneys for, I guess, neighborhoods in some cases or colleges and others. As in one fashion, yes, Uh, and part of it depends on how they're operated and maintained, how well they do. If they're properly functioning, their kidneys. Yes, no different than our kidneys. If it's properly functioning, it does its job. Um, Were you going to say something, Ernesto? Yeah, one thing that is also, that's the functionality and that's the engineering about that. But then another beautiful thing that they are, is the, the aesthetics, the beauty of that. Everybody wants to live near a water body and they enhance the, the area where they are being built. Like say, if there's a homeowner, I mean, it's a community that has a, one of these features, which is engineered, they can actually augment the value of that property if you control and maintain that lake in, that pond in good shape. So their kidneys, if they're functioning properly, and they augment the property if they're maintained properly. Correct. How do they differ from natural lakes or ponds? Well, they have a runoff. They're, they're actually capturing a lot of the, the waters that are being in impervious surface. They're all collected in these ponds. And so they're constantly dragging all the nutrients and also pollutants that it might be. And in the pond itself, it will take care of the filtration of that, either by natural systems like microorganisms who will take care of that, algae, plants, even fish and other creatures will be taking care of the whole chain of of biology that exists in that pond. 
But that hole requires some maintenance because the more you put in there, the more you have to consider removing or keeping in filter. Would that be then fair to say that if they've been there long enough and they're properly maintained, that they're almost the same thing as a naturally occurring lake or pond? We, we try to design them, and if they're well-maintained, to have them They're trying function. to mimic that. Yes, exactly. Um, one of the differences is that by state law, they are a treatment system and don't have to have the same water quality parameters that a natural lake would have to have. The real dichotomy is that when the water crosses the control structure and leaves the pond into the receiving water, it then has to meet the water quality requirements. So, that is a dichotomy. So, so <laughs> it's a real fine line. And, and so you don't want really bad quality water in your pond because you'll never meet the discharge requirements going out of the pond. Interesting. Uh, do you find you guys work with residents that live near these things? Do you find that most people are not aware of the fact that they are man-made or not? Mostly new residents. I mean, we have a big input of new people coming from north, and they expect something different than what it is in Florida. So the old residents already getting, they learn about it, and then they apply, and they understand that. It's the new residents who probably are still trying to learn a little bit about the, the Florida environment. Um, so tell us about the Pond Watch program. What is it? Who is it aimed at? How does it work? So it's part of the Heisen Control District to support educate. Uh, the homeowners who are already paying taxes for the controlling of aquatic weeds. But this is an educational program. We're trying to help the homeowners to understand why the weeds are happening and how to control them or how to maintain that. But we have, and I'm mentioning we because uh, there's a group called WET Plan, mm -hmm. which stands for Water Education Training. It's Ponds, lakes, and neighborhoods. And this group was created with a, an, a, it's a conglomerate, a group of engineers like Johnson Engineering, HD, H GHD. GHD, it's another engineer firm, the county, the natural resources for the county, the natural resources, and also uh, the Native Plant Society in, in Lee County has also been part of this Pond Watch as the highest and control district. So we have done this group of education and we have created a lot of webinars, uh, educational materials, workshops, and this is one of the, the activities that we are doing and I want to promote here. And these are for people who live near them. These are not for necessarily other engineers or water managers. These are for everyday people. For citizens, correct. Are they mostly focused at newer communities, like gated communities that we see, like up and down tree line and things like that? Are, are that? is that the target audience for who you're talking to? It's a mix of both. You have new residents and also old residents where the ponds have been deteriorating. So we come up with some uh, um, understanding of why, why that is happening. So we explain to them the conditions are happening because of such and such. And, and the, the gated part is, yes, there are a lot of gated communities, but that's not a requirement to have the ponds. Understood. So really any place that has ponds uh, can benefit, and we're trying to help those that are trying to improve their neighborhood. So go over the basic concepts that you cover in these webinars. Um, erosion, water quality, litor littoral plants. Is that how, how you say it? That's correct. That was the word I learned today. I told you earlier, earlier. And harmful algae blooms. So kind of just go over the basics of what's covered in that. Well, let's start with um, erosion. 
uh, on the engineering side, the, the erosion uh, is in two forms. One is water running concentrated off of a building or a parking lot that goes directly in, down the side of a pond and makes a rill or a, a gully. The more common and, and the, probably the one that people don't think as much about, and that's the wave erosion if you don't have plants around the edge of the pond. Littoral plants. Littoral plants, yes. Uh, these, if you have a, a distance of five feet plus of littoral plants in the water, they break up the waves. And, and when I say waves, we can have waves that are one or two inches tall that slowly erode at the bank. And those waves get to work 24-7 as long as the wind's blowing. And so a five-year-old pond may have serious enough erosion that it no longer meets its permit requirements, is out of compliance, and then you have to spend money to fix it. Water quality? The water quality is a component also that is dependent on the amount of uh, littoral plants that might be beneficial for some kind of filtration. And the filtration is not by the plant itself. It's actually by the microscopic algae that builds around on, on, on the stems of those littoral plants. So when you have that so-called scum or the filamentous algae or that algae, that algae is the one who is filtering the, the water, the nutrients, the pollutants. And that algae is the one who might not be so pleasant for to see, but by having those plants, you might disguise this filamentous algae by having the plants. So that filtration with the plants will, will be an excellent way to alleviate the amount of loads of nutrients. What makes for the best littoral plants to serve that purpose? There are a lot of native plants that are very um, proper for this kind of a, a arrangement. There's a Pontederia cordata, which is pickerel weed, uh, golden cannas. There is uh, Sagittarius. There are several plants that are already established in the in the community of for renovation and for structures on the on the shoreline. Um, in fact, that, that information is provided in several documents that we would like to provide in this workshop, the next workshop that we're going to be doing. Uh, the last thing on the list was um, harmful algae blooms. Um, I'm, I'm presuming you're not going to be talking to them about how to, to get rid of one, but how to prevent one, right? Or, or not? Well, maybe both. Because the, remember, the problem with the algae is that not so much the algae, but it's what causes the algae to grow. So if you can control or determine what the source of the nutrients and what are the conditions of the pond, then you can control that and therefore the algae might not happen. But if you have it to happen, there are some tools and some ways to alleviate or to reduce that uh, algae presence. And harmful algae blooms like the cyanobacteria that are proliferating now, they can be controlled with some mechanisms of uh, management of the, of the pond. I don't know if I have time enough to to cover some of those, which I don't expect to do that. But anyway, the, the, the point is that this, all these conditions can be controlled if you know where the sources are. Uh, real quick, uh, put simply, would you say that um, harmful algae blooms are controllable in a small pond, whereas they're not necessarily controllable in a huge body of water like the Caloosahatchee River? That's correct. It's a lot easier in a small pond than in the Lake Okeechobee. Understood. I want to take a moment to reintroduce our guests. Ernesto Lasso de la Vega is Pond Watch Coordinator with the Lee County Hyacinth Control District, and Andy Tilton is Director of Water Resources at Johnson Engineering. We're talking about the role of and the importance of having healthy stormwater management 
ponds found in many neighborhoods here in southwest Florida and what residents who live next to or near these kinds of ponds should be considering in order to ensure they're as healthy as possible. If you'd like to engage with us about this conversation, find us on Facebook at WGCU Public Media and on Twitter. We're at WGCU. Use the hashtag GCL. Where does fertilizer fit into this story? Fertilizer uh, is needed by plants at certain times and if it's applied properly, should not end up in the pond. So it's good management practices of not putting it on your sidewalk or out in the street, uh, not on your driveway, those type of things. If you live on a pond, you shouldn't fertilize within 10 feet or more of the edge of the pond because the bank of the pond is sloped. And if you get some runoff, fertilizer from up the slope will run down into that area closer to the pond. But if it's if you fertilize right to the edge of the water, it's sure to run into the pond and it's fertilizing the plants in the pond, which you don't really need to do because they grow very well with very limited fertilization. Uh, so it's an important thing. And then as your plants mature uh, and they have their roots established, you need less and less phosphorus. And that's the reason that you'll see some communities have a phosphorus ban during the summertime when there's heavy rainfall and easily could push that newly applied fertilizer into a water body. Um, when you find ponds that have been mismanaged, is fertilizer often a reason for that or even a, a major reason for that or not? Sometimes it is. And I will not blame it all on the fertilizer because sometimes the age of the pond has been accumulating muck in the bottom mm. and the mixing of Legacy water, nutrients. Correct. Has been <laughs> accumulating tremendous in the bottom. And then it's just a matter of a one strong wind or a big storm will mix the leg of the pond and it will just have now a bloom of algae. Um, so describe the characteristics of a healthy stormwater pond. Well, I will start with having a nice littoral shelf. I mean, having the plants protecting the shoreline from erosion, that's number one. In addition, the plants will create a habitat for fish that are swimming right next to and eating those bugs and things that are living in that mesh because they, the plants are standing on the water. Along with that, birds might come in and, and then live out of this fish. And so there's a whole habitat. But they are filtering the nutrients that comes. Now, that's a natural kind of look. And the water might not be crystal clear, but if they are enough plants underwater plants that are just enough for them to absorb nutrients as well, they will clarify the water. Not so deep, because if you have a deep pond, then you have stratified, and then it can be anoxic in the bottom of that pond, which makes it more suitable to have other type of nutrients like ammonia, even phosphorus in there. So it's a small, shallow scenario with a lot of littoral plants. That will be is it crucial to have native plants, or are there some non-native plants that serve the same purpose? From an erosion standpoint, the wind erosion doesn't know any difference. From a health of the environment standpoint, the problem with non-native plants is many of them have no natural enemies, and therefore they grow out of control. And so it's generally better to, to use native plants. And there's a very large, as Ernesto said earlier, a very large palette of those. So if you like short plants or tall plants, flowering plants, non-flowering, you can have all of those things in your mix or only one of them. 
so it really depends on what you want it to look like. I was reading through uh, the website, um, the Wet Plans website, and they were talking about um, undesirable waterfowl, including Muscovy ducks. Where do they fit into this? Well, they're exotic. They're non-native, <laughs> and they tend to grow and then um, They create a lot of mess. Correct. Phosphorus-laden mess, I presume. And, and unfortunately, some, and, and the problem is not so much the, the animal, because the animal will be there, and it might be eaten by some gator or something. Is when you start feeding the animal, and then you encourage them to grow and to reproduce. And that's, that's what the problem, because they, they really can be proliferate pretty much in those ponds. And uh, dog poop can be an issue too, right? Very much so. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that a lot of communities have ordinances that require people to pick up their pet waste rather than just leaving it on the ground. Even if it's in your yard, if it's close enough to a storm drain or something and it washes off, it's very high in nutrients. Uh, so if you pick it up and you dispose of it with your solid waste, then at least it gets to somewhere that it's not going in the stormwater system. And I think that's, you know, worth really highlighting because, you know, I've often thought that that was more about aesthetics, but I've read on that website that every day in Lee County, 13 tons of dog waste is not properly disposed of. That's 26,000 pounds of dog poop just in this county alone. And it's going to wind up in the ground and the water's going to, it's going to wind up somewhere. So. So just remind us about this pond management workshop that's coming up. So the Florida Lake Management Society, which is a statewide organization with limnologists and scientists, they are having a meeting here in Fort Myers at the Bonita Spring area, actually at the Hyatt Regency in Coconut Point. And we're having that meeting in the last week of August. And one of the days that we're determining to have a citizen's workshop so this workshop will be an opportunity for homeowners who have great experiences on their ponds to share that experience with other homeowners who are first new about this. And that's what we're creating is an opportunity for new homeowners who have ponds to learn about. And anyone can come? Yes. And they, they have to register, I understand. Yeah, there's a registration online. We'll give you the, the link to this. But not necessarily you can just show to this workshop there will be a, a, a good promotion. I wanted to present some two books to the first 50 citizens who show up and will be providing documents, books. Uh, one was made by the University of Florida Extension Service, which is a great best management practices for the protection of water resources. It's an excellent book for but to controlling all the nutrients. And another one is a document produced by the uh, University of Florida as well, Biology and Control of Aquatic Plants. And these two documents will be provided for free for the first residents who come in to the meeting. Do you find that like homeowners associations maybe send a representative to these kinds of things so they can bring the information back so like, like a bunch of residents don't have to go? That's correct. In most of these Pond Watch uh, volunteers that I have, they are their ex- people who are most knowledgeable in that particular pond or in that particular community. All right. Well, we're pretty much out of time. Do you have any final thoughts? Well, I would like to extend this invitation to anybody, not just for Lee County, but also to the neighboring counties, Charlotte and Collier, for citizens who would like to learn about the ponds. And also, I want to thank so much Mike Canary and WGCU. Uh, could I mention about the award? Sure. Florida Lake Management Society in 2020, when we had the big pandemic, it was we give to WGCU the award, the Marjorie Douglas, Stone Douglas Award, which is uh, for media or whoever presents into the media 
uh, information about lakes and rivers. And that is the award that we give uh, WGCU to my canary and also to Julie, Julie um, Glenn. Glenn, correct. And she was phenomenal on this, on this all environmental news and environmental things that we need to know. So we, you guys deserve this award and we're providing that and we're bringing back again that award to you. Well, I appreciate you bringing it today because I did the uh, you, you had the reception on Zoom during the height of the pandemic, so I got to see it again today. And thank you for recognizing me and for Julie as well. Uh, any final thoughts, Andy? Uh, just that uh, stormwater ponds are for stormwater and try to keep everything else out. All right. Well, that is all the time we have. My guests are Andy Tilton. He's Director of Water Resources at Johnson Engineering. Andy, thank you. You're welcome. And Ernesto Lasa de la Vega is Pond Watch Coordinator with the Lee County Hyacinth Control District. Ernesto, thanks for coming in and sharing this information. You're welcome. The Citizen Scientists Managing Ponds Workshop is next Tuesday, August 30th from 5 to 7 p.m. at the Hyatt Regency Coconut Point in Bonita Springs. The workshop is free, but advanced registration is required. You can find a link to learn more or to register on our website, wgcu.org gcl. There you can also find links to the Wet Plan Watershed Training Site and the Florida Lake Management Site for additional resources. If you missed any of today's show, you can always hear episodes in their entirety on our website or wherever you find podcasts. Our show today was produced by yours truly. Our director today is Jared Gonzalez. Our social media coordinator is Tara Calligan. For now, thank you for listening. I'm Mike Canary. This is NPR for Southwest Florida, 90.1 WGCU-FM, Fort Myers, Naples, and Port Charlotte, and 91.7 WMKO Marco Island, a member-supported service of Florida Gulf Coast University.